0: Okay, episode 8, The Self, With Great Power Comes Great Responsibility, Madiha Creator.
1: Usman Jamie lawyer, sports enthusiast, playlist maker Mm. and traveler.
0: Thank you Usman for being here. Um, Who said this, with great power comes great responsibility, a wise shaman or Spider-Man?
1: I'd like to think it was a a wise shaman.
0: Probably probably Spider-Man. Actually, was not it Uncle Ben? In Spider-Man? I don't know who's in Spider-Man. Franchise. I don't know who's in Spider-Man. But I just know yeah. generally. Hmm. Mm. So, uh, so when I think of the self, I think of the self as um, what I once read. We are not humans who have a soul. We have, uh, we are a soul having a human experience. And that kind of helped me shift my perspective, especially when it came to dealing with a lot of um, uncomfortable emotions um, and uncomfortable incidences in our lives. So I'll talk about the power part of it first, and then we'll go to the responsibility part. So what it helped me to do was um, detach, separate myself from the the pain, the anger, bitterness, resentment Uh, any form of trauma that my body was experiencing and had been experiencing. And I began to look at myself almost from a separate standpoint, like a a point of view. And um, so how it felt like I did not have to be a person who was in pain. I did not have to be the person who was going through trauma. And I could look at myself from a distance and understand that um, these are human constructs. Uh, This is my body experiencing the worldly part of it, experiencing all of these emotions. But there's a bigger part of me, which is um, looking at all of these emotions and instances. And that part is not in judgment, is not asking me to do something that I wasn't ready to do, is not pushing me on to do it better it just did not have a perspective any perspective other than that of love and compassion so what it um, so how it helped me was i could look at the hurting part of madiha who had gone through a divorce after 10 years of her marriage um, and and what the 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 soul part of me could say to the hurting part of madiha was it is a moment uh, you are going through this pain. It is not all of you. There are other parts of you as well. So it did not invalidate the part of me that was hurting, but it did not ask me to be anything other than that part in that moment either. And so it allowed me to be in that uh, hurting part for a while until I felt safe enough to release it and to let it go. And I loved the fact that there was somebody, and it was myself, the whole part, but there was somebody for the first time who was patient enough with me to allow me to process and go through in the way that I had chosen whatever I needed to do. He she was patient enough for me to be able to do that. And I had not received that before. And the other part of it that I realized was that whenever we are going through a moment in our life which Uh, where we feel the most alone and we feel very, very lonely. We're always expecting others to come, step in and understand, but we also know that they will never be able to understand what we're going through. So if we can identify a part of ourselves who can give us that compassion that we need in that moment, and that part is ourselves because that self understands exactly. And if you can do that in a way where you don't have, like that part can understand, but doesn't have to be that part either. So it's the outsider, but from within you. It's from within you outsider. And when the within you outsider gives you that support, the the blossoming that happens, and I imagine that as a blossoming is quite incredible. Um, and funnily enough, with the the power of the self, uh now this part of it is now linked to the other part, which is responsibility. That means that if there's an outside self of you within yourself who can look at yourself with the same compassion um, that you need in that moment, that means that um, there's also, like, the responsibility part is that whatever moment is happening in your life is not happening to you. It's almost as if you are this self contained entire cosmos right? An entire cosmos. And so the self that I'm referring to now is the cosmos. And in that cosmos, there's a human part of you who has now designed a multitude of events for itself to be able to learn lessons. And if that human part of you has designed disease, has designed uh, divorce, has designed separation in any form, has designed um, mental illness, has designed other really traumatic events for itself to be able to learn those lessons, then there's nobody else to blame. There's no, the, you cannot, there is no, because you're a self contained cosmos. There is nothing that can affect your cosmosness and your energy within it. And that means there are 8 billion self-contained cosmoses which exist simultaneously, and none of them have the power to affect or create events. You are a self-sustaining, self-creating power. That's, it's, your, it's a self-created, you know, what's it called? A, an organism which is alive and breathing, and there's nobody else who can come and create or do anything to you. So that is, again, um, it depends on how you look at it, but that is both terrifying and liberating at the same time. Uh, Terrifying because all the stories that we've told ourselves, This happened to me. That person did that to me. And then this happened and then that person did that to me. None of those constructs stand anymore. All of those fall apart. It's liberating because if you have chosen to create those moments and instances in your life to be able to learn some lessons for yourself, that means you have the power to create other moments and instances in your life. Um, If you've learned those lessons, to learn lessons different in a different way. You don't have to learn them through pain. So there was a sense of... um, liberation that came with being with being set free of not having blamed anybody having nobody else to blame um and with that then came the next comes the next step which is the hardest which i'm still learning that of forgiveness um forgiveness not to others but to ourselves because why on earth would we choose to create such um, painful moments for ourselves to learn which lessons. And why did we not have the sense enough to be able to create alternative moments to be able to learn the same lessons? So the first thing is um, being able to extend that forgiveness to ourselves uh, in the journey that we have led and in the moments that we've chosen. But this is more, it's a radical concept. It's a radical concept in a way where um, there's nothing outside yourself anyway. At all, at all. So whatever comfort you're looking for, whatever safety you're looking for, whatever validation you're looking for, acceptance or a love that you're looking for is not through another, not one other human being, not from your parents, not from your kids. It does not exist. It does not exist. The only thing that there is is whatever you create, because it's a, you know, a self-sustaining organism And it's the great creator. So whatever you're creating inside will automatically be reflected outside. And so there's no one to blame. And even if you've had the most traumatic childhood, you cannot, there is nobody else to blame. But, and I don't know whether you call it blame, or but there's nobody else to blame but yourself. And I would not call it blame again, because whatever you do out of ignorance of who you are is something that you cannot, because it was purely, you did not know better. You did what you could do best in that moment. Mm-hmm. But to take away the blame from anybody else and just take full responsibility of it on your own. Um, that is a conversation I'd like to have. But first, I'd like to understand and ask you what your concept of self is and what your concept of um, this entire, a great with great power comes great responsibility. What is your point of view?
1: Um, Well, I think for me, it's really about what I've learned at least on my journey is building yourself up Mm. versus tearing yourself down. I, throughout my life, have been a selfless person. I have always put the needs of the others before myself. And as a result, I've not paid attention to myself. Um, I've had to go through a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, a lot of tragedy to have been able to find or at least discover who myself is. We spoke about Spider-Man in the beginning. So I'm sure, I don't know if you're aware, but the first Spider-Man that came out, there was the the enemy was uh, the Green Goblin, mm. and um, in the movie, um, Osborne, the guy who the, who plays who's his real life character, and then there's Green. He's having conversations with him, and you know he, the Green Goblin, is sort of taking control of his mind and whatnot, and telling him you have to do this, you have to kill Spider Man. He's like, no, I, you know, i you know. So. For me, the discovery of the self really has been about having conversations with myself.
0: So you're saying that we, the Green Goblin was Spider-Man?
1: Yeah. Mm. So for me personally, I am now able to see someone in the mirror who isn't me, but is there... And is actively telling me mm. that there's a lot more to you than what you think. In fact, it's it's something I've been discussing a lot in therapy as well. That I can actually now have conversations every day in the morning with myself.
0: And what do you tell yourself?
1: What <laughs> I tell myself is, it's, you know, and they're very sort of, you know, Organic sort of mm. the, uh, things, the organic conversations. I think what I, I think what I do. The first thing is that when I talk to myself, it's, you're here. You're here.
2: Mm.
1: You could have been somewhere. I mean, as as terrible as it sounds, you could have been buried under, you know, uh, a pile of sheets, you know, and it was very difficult for you to get up. But you're here. Mm. And I think one of the biggest examples of my talking to myself is, is that I, I do these exercises where mm. the other person who's looking at me in the mirror says, write down all the things you don't like about yourself.
2: Mm.
1: And I actually do it. Mm. And then he says, write down all the things you love about yourself.
2: Mm.
1: So what happens is when I started. Mm. There were around 40 things I could, 40, 50 things I could write that I didn't like about myself. Mm. And there were maybe four or five things I could write about what I love about myself. Mm. But as I've been doing it, it's now sort of equalizing because I'm actually doing it. And for the first time in my life, it's it's so powerful because I've never done it. Mm. And I actually recognize that, hey, there's a lot more to you than just being this uh martyr who loves pain.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, um being having that uh confidence to actually go through this process almost on a daily basis. I mean it it, it it's done wonders for me in terms of discovering who myself is hmm. that self I knew existed hmm. but I never paid attention to it. And I um You know, I let all the the stress in my life overtake me.
2: Mm.
1: I suffer from psoriasis. It's a skin condition caused by high levels of stress. Mm. Um, I also am going through, you know, a painful divorce. Mm. Um, But at the same time, you know, ever since I've discovered myself, it's allowed me to be free. Mm. I can actually sit there and talk about everything that has happened to me and I and I think I'm stronger for it I don't think I'm weaker for it I think it's helped me evolve into the person that I am today
2: mm.
1: and I look forward to the future because for the first time in my life I can actually talk about things that bring me up mm. make me feel better about myself because I actively do those things that do that exercise where I can talk about and where I can feel okay these are the things that I love about myself. Mm. So yeah. So I mean, for me, the the power of the self is 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 very has been very uplifting, and I can't wait to see what happens.
0: Next. I love I love this visualization because the way that I visualize uh, the way that I have my conversation in the morning, and I do have that conversation, and one intent that I set for myself a long time ago is until that conversation results in me feeling good, about getting out of bed, I am not going to get out of bed. And I my daughter's school time, she goes to a special needs school is nine o'clock. Because of that conversation, she has reached school at 10 o'clock. Also I have reached office at 10:30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, But for me, having that conversation and bringing myself to a point where I'm ready to get out of bed is the most important thing. So the three things that I do in the morning, the first thing is that I set an intent and I say it out loud, uh, even before I'm fully uh, conscious, is I promise myself that I will prioritize myself today. I will prioritize my needs my wants, my desires, they will take the lead today. That's one. The second thing uh, thing that I do, and um, it's a, a tool that I've discovered and it's really helped me, is every time that I am talking to myself as the self, so I, I let me separate. So every time I'm talking to me as the self, um, I imagine myself as a seven-year-old kid. And so... And now what I'm, I'm looking at as a seven-year as a self, what I'm looking at is a kid who is brave enough, who is so beautiful and so powerful in choosing to get out of bed that morning. And I'm just mostly congratulating her mm-hmm. on being this brave, beautiful, amazing kid. So that's one part of yeah. it. The other conversation that I have with her is, hey, listen, <clears throat> I know that you are so, so, so wise. Because you have not yet learned the ways of the world. Mm. You have not yet learned, my six, seven-year-old son, you have not yet learned how to protect yourself under layers. You have not yet learned how to deceive with words. You, your heart is pure right now. You are trusting your heart more than, I don't remember me trusting my heart. Uh, I don't remember it, but you know how to do it. So hey, today, with your beautiful, powerful heart, that's not learned a lot of worldly ways of deceit and of illusion. Why don't you lead the way for me today? And then I say, Today I allow you, and I give permission to my seven year old self, my inner child. I said, Today I allow you to lead me in every conversation, every encounter, every feeling that I have today. So before I respond to whatever's happening today, I would like to respond from a place of love, uh, from a place of the heart, which inevitably is love mm-hmm. or compassion and kindness. So I'd like to respond. And that's what I so I allow her uh, to lead me in that day. And that's only this uh, this particular exercise, is only about six days old. Okay. It's not um, super because I've just having con- started having conversation with my inner child just about you know a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So one is that. And then the third thing that I do is then I take the me out of it. Then it's not the inner child. And now it's not. Then I say, then I imagine myself as a, how do I call it? Um, A cluster of light specks and everything that I want, desire, love, my entire world is revolving around me as a circle of energy and I say to myself I am the observer of love I am the observer of beauty I'm the observer of peace and abundance and I'm the observer of fullness so when I do that then it does, I don't my body loosens up On its own, because now it's not in its fight or flight mode. Now it's not ready to face the day or fight it out. Now it's saying, wait a minute, I already am observing all that I want. And none of them have form right now. Mm. None of them are coming into being as actual uh, manifested physical form. Mm. They are great powerful um, probabilities Mm. which are revolving around, but they're all mine. There's no outside interference. Mm. There is no outside force that's come and creating it for me. There's no outside force to pray to for this. Mm. I am the originator, the fulcrum, the creator. and am the center, the nucleus for this entire energy, for for that nu- for the entire energy to be revol- dancing around me yes. at all times. And so the other thing that helps me to do is I mean, I have been an impatient human being. I want things now. Um, although I'm not from the generation of instant gratification. Um, but I do want things. I did want things now. And I liked what you said, I'm here now, because how I uh, take it and translate it for myself is I may not be seeing the physical results of my needs, wants, desires right now. <clears throat> but I can feel the pulsating of them right now, and I. There is no hurry. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to be. I can sit here and observe, and that is enough. So then, the race that we have opted in, and we have a uh, we have a choice to opt out of as well. The race of being in a beautiful relationship now, of being in a high-powered job now, yes. of getting whatever material things, being the best version of yourself now, Literally. of being an amazing parent now, of being an amazing sibling, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like whatever standards that we've kept for ourselves, which we have to race towards and strive towards. Mm-hmm. I don't like this word. Mm-hmm. Strive towards. They all fall flat. Yes, absolutely. There is, and there's nowhere to go. Yeah. There's nowhere to be. There's nobody to race, dude. pure cosmos,
2: Yes.
0: Where's the competition? Absolutely. So there's a sense of fulfillment that comes as a self which observes.
1: Yes.
0: And I lo- And it links back to what first interested me about this entire path, which is now called healing, but it started off with quantum physics. Mm-hmm which is a particle, when observed, changes form into a wave. And that wave is the only probability there is. Mm. That's the principle of quantum physics. Mm. Nothing exists until it is observed. And the moment you observe it, mm. it changes form. Mm. It comes to become, it becomes to be, comes to be, or comes to become, whatever. And I, that phenomenon of how, um, as the observer, you create. And you do nothing but create is something that feel, makes me feel very, very uh, liberated. I feel like that's the true kind of freedom um, that, I've, uh, you know, that I've been looking for for half my life. What does freedom feel like? I know now in this moment. Again, it's just a four-day-old feeling but it's a feeling that's very strongly here. And um, so what is the, my question to you is, what is that one, because we've all built some prisons of our mind for ourselves. What is, uh, and for our perceived selves. So what is the one prison that you now see that you had built for yourself your whole life what what was that prison like for you and what does it feel like to step out of it into free air so what did that when i say this i don't even know if it makes sense no no, right? no it makes
2: sense
0: so what is, what has been your prison
1: uh my prison has been uh, my childhood mm. in the sense that in my childhood i was always told i mean yes i mean there were, i was told positive things growing up But I was always told that, uh, you're not good enough at this, you're too fat, Uh, you're not working hard enough, Um, you're not special. And I think all of these things, it took its toll because that conditioning sort of made me feel that, all right, I'm just a very insignificant part of the cosmos and wherever I exist. And I think it just made me feel that, all right, you know, as long as I get by, as long as I grow up with a, you know, with decent values or be a good human being, I'm good. You know, I'll be able to survive and, you know, it's, it's all right. But um, with the new discovery of myself, I mean i can give you practical examples of how it's helped me tremendously so i mentioned that you know i'm a, a lawyer a sports enthusiast a playlist creator mm. so i'd like to give you practical examples of, of all of them small examples mm. so lawyer mm. so as a lawyer we are trained to uh, come up with solutions to problems we have to think on our feet before i discovered myself it was a chore it was something i always thought it was a job it was something that i do to earn a living Uh, and as idealistic as it sounds given Mm -hmm. the current state of our profession unfortunately in the country now every day in the morning when i get up and have to go to court i go to court with a different purpose a different sense the sense is is that as long as i do and I'm true to what uh, in uh, my profession, I'm true to what it is that I'm trying to do, I'm happy.
2: Mm.
1: As long as I'm happy that I have put in the work and I'm ready, Come, I, the result is good or bad, it doesn't matter. As long as I'm happy that I've mm. done my best. Sports,
2: mm.
1: enthusiast. I play sports as well. I play golf, I play tennis. Now, oh. I thought that Doing that was just to lose weight. Mm. But now I do it to feel good. Now I do it because myself, my inner self, it says to me that this is a certain part of time and a day that is yours. Mm. And that's a time where you're free. That's a time where no one can bother you. Mm. If you allow someone to bother you, that's another thing. So, like for example, when I I've learned recently started taking I've taken taken up running. So I've been running now for the last three four months, and I'll also come to music now because when I run, mm. I listen to music.
0: I know you as the music guy.
1: So I yeah. have a playlist. It's called Run. <laughs> All right. Mm. And when I'm running, mm. you know, it's you begin slowly and then you you then speed up. So when I'm running, I. I know exactly what songs I'm going to be playing, mm. in, depending on where I am at in the run. Mm. So for me, it's it, it, the absolute joy that it gives me doing that. No one can give me,
2: mm. and that's me. Mm.
1: That's me. Mm. And before that, I never, never gave myself that opportunity mm. to actually enjoy something. Enjoy, and the last one, playlist create creation. Yeah. I can now listen to a playlist called Pain, for example, which has a lot of sad music, a lot of bad memories. But now I can listen to it and smile. Because I know with every song there's a painful memory, but there's also really great memories. Mm. And the and the conversations that I've had with myself allow me when I'm listening to those music, to those songs, mm. connecting with those lyrics. The old me would have connected with the really sad part of those lyrics mm. and I just start howling you know and I just get into bed and I just put the sheet over my head and and just crop and just sob but now I can listen to it and I can still sob and still cry
2: mm.
1: but at the same time it you know it makes me happy to listen to that music mm. because I'm free so you know for me um, definitely you know I mean the, the prison for me was definitely my childhood growing up um, and now at age almost 43, mm. uh, I'm now discovering what freedom is.
0: And it's funny because just before this podcast, uh, I asked you this question. I said, when was the last time you started to feel safe mm. in your own body? Yes. And you said uh, just two months, uh, three, four months, ago. three, four months ago. Yes. And I said, well, it was for me and I'm going to turn 43 as well. Mm-hmm. So it was for me just two months ago. It's taken us a lifetime. And what it does, um, but you know one thing that I am incredibly proud of when it comes to myself is that with, in this journey, uh, my teenage son is has been a part of it, not in any direct way because he shifted uh, abroad before my the big transformation happened for me a year ago. But um, how important it is For me, the prison has been uh, the imposter, Mm -hmm. that of an imposter. I've always pretended to be who I'm not, Mm -hmm. who I was expected to be, and I've shown up that. And for me, I feel the biggest lesson that I've learned uh, in honoring the self, the true self, is authenticity and showing up as who you are. And not just in selected moments or in selected spaces, in all moments and in all spaces. The reason I talk about my son is just yesterday, I woke up to, this morning in fact, I woke up to a message from me saying, Mama, um, so I come from a conservative family and a religiously inclined family as well. And he's living abroad and I have relatives there. He's just gotten a big forearm tattoo. Okay, And uh, he had to go visit the house and he said I was wearing, it was very hot and I was wearing a jacket indoors and everybody kept making fun of me. Uh, You know, as oh, I think you may have a tattoo, which is true, but I don't know what to do. It was, it just felt weird. It's a small moment, right? Mm -hmm. So here's what I said to him, and here's what I am incredibly proud of. I said, Asad, this moment is not a small moment. You are choosing to be in a place where you are having to show up as your non-self, it's not an authentic self. You're having to hide, because of a sense of shame or guilt, of having, of being a Muslim who has a tattoo. Don't show up in that space again. And it's a very uh, close space for me, huh? I'm very close to them. So don't show up in that space. And when you are ready, show up in that space as you. But once you have processed, The judgment that you may think is coming from them, which will be coming from them, doesn't have to come from them. Because Mm -hmm. once you have processed that judgment, you'd be surprised. Because I remember when I got my first tattoo, and I'm a woman, the eldest in the family. And the first, and I was hiding my small tattoo, I was hiding it from my father. My mother knew, Mm -hmm. my father for a long time. And one day, and of course, none of these things happened in one day, over a course of few months after I had um, in recovery and discovery of myself, one day I decided to walk into the lawn with a quarter sleeve shirts, mm. and uh, I shook my father's hand and he said, What is this? And I said, uh, a tattoo? Mm. And he said, this is permanent or a sticker? Wala I was like, Baba Ji, permanent. Wala. He said, okay. He said, okay. And there was no judgment from him. And in fact, after that, my younger brother, who's like an addict, <laughs> a tattoo addict, he, had, he found, because the safe space was created mm. by one person, he showed up as, uh, as himself because he had gotten used to it. So what I did not want my son to go through is to go through a cycle of judgment, shame and guilt where you have to force yourself to show up as your authentic self. Because what it does to you, man, you think it's a small thing, but it's a collection of these small moments that add up. And even one small thing is a bruise, is a scar to your soul. Because the self is so pure yes. and so real and so in awe of its own self and so in love with its own self. That when it sees its own human self being ashamed of who they are, it hurts the soul. And it is this pain that translates into isolation, depression, anxiety. And uh, and, and bigger, it just goes on to disease, to physical disease as well. Stored, yes. Stored pain of not being able to be yourself. So, how authentic it is to be able to show up as yourself is a very essential part of your soul journey
1: absolutely i mean like uh, i mean you you mentioned uh, your son mm. uh, you know i can mention my children also my daughter is 14 my son is 13 mm. and having fully realized i think what what trauma or what pain that we parents cause them i think the discovery at least personally for me of, of myself and you know as i'm going on this journey I'm able to share it with my children. And you know, it's it's so important because the way that we were brought up by our parents, mm. they're good things, they're bad things, but it's, it's for me at least personally, it's so important to take uh, stock of the bad things and try not to repeat them with our own children. Yes. But giving the, our children the power and the ability to realize and to understand that yourself mm. is so important. Your, if you give yourself the freedom, the mm. space, the love, the care, mm. the attention, then you will be able to choose being ha- choose to be happy,
2: mm.
1: and f- to have to be able to share those thoughts and those ideas with your children. Mm. For me, is 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 very liberating because that I never is. had those. No one had those conversations with me growing up. Yeah. I had to discover them later on in life on my own or as being a parent. Mm. So, you know, I mean, it's amazing that we have the we have uh, these blessings around us that we can share with our children. Yes, we protect them. Mm. We want to do everything to sort of, you know, um, shield them from harm. But we have we also have to understand that the journey Mm. of the self they they will be harmed. There will be problems. There will be times where they will that shield will be penetrated. And we have to help them understand that your shield, your self, hmm. when you make yourself aware of it, you understand that 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 is what is going to get you through life.
0: I love that because um, I, I think it's so strongly linked to responsibility. Yes. When we as parents, yes. uh, which is the most in integral role in the more influent, most influential, influential role we'd ever play because we have the power to mold and influence yeah. them, right? When we take responsibility for ourselves, we set our children free.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So about four days ago, again, uh, my son and I are having beautiful text WhatsApp conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so four days ago, he was... Uh, I was telling you he was narrating an incident of how he got into an aggressive moment mm. with a, a coworker uh, and um, in his side gig and I and he, so I let him talk through it and he said mom what I've realized about myself is that I have this uh, capacity to withhold my anger in moments where I should demonstrate it mm. but it comes out unnaturally m- most aggressively in moments which doesn't want which don't warrant it mm. so I'm trying to understand what's happening. And I said, I said, what do you feel? He said, Mama, I feel like as a child and this is an 18 year old, he said, I feel like as a child, um, I was pushed down so much that now and I was because he was also an overweight child. Right. So he said, I felt uh, so burdened by. Uh, how I look like that now because he's taken up MMA so now I'm putting myself in a physically fit space where I can defend myself and like nobody can ever put me down and nobody and I said said, I'm going to take a moment and I'm, and now we shifted to a phone call I said I'm going to take a moment I'm going to explain something to you. he said what well, I said uh, what's actually hap- what actually happened was from the age of one to seven you were emotionally abandoned by your mother mm-hmm. You were emotionally and physically abused by your mother, and you were left to fend for yourself. You did not, uh, you were not, you did not feel seen, you did not feel heard, and you did not feel safe. I said I experienced the same childhood, mm-hmm. and I chose to take up the armor or the weaponry of words, mm-hmm. and you have taken up the weaponry of physical fitness mm-hmm. of MMA. But I said, none of these weapons are sustainable, they're illusions because what's actually happening is that you're trying to feel safe and you're trying to be seen and be heard when your little child or one year, your one to seven year old child is not feeling that. Yep. So whatever you're going to be doing in as an adult to make yourself be seen will always be for other people. Your little child will never feel safe. And he asked, he said, how do I make him feel safe? I said, well, you have to go inward. And you'll have to start speaking to him, and you'll have to start reassuring him that first he is seen and he's heard, and that he is more than the trauma that his mother passed on to him. And you've got to, at some point, learn to forgive Mm me. Beautiful. And he said, you know, but it doesn't matter. I, I forgive you. I said, no. Until you have this anger inside you, until you heal your inner child. And and that day will come because if you're having this conversation now, you're 18. You will do not have to spend a lifetime of making painful choices to be seen, to be heard, to be validated. You can heal yourself now and you can make different choices from your mother. But um, know that your mother made you feel this way and know that your inner child felt this way. And I believe that with this conversation, Usman, I have actually set him free Mm. in a very big way. He never has to, because as kids, we have a way of, and we've been taught to, to put our parents on a pedestal. Yes, absolutely. And to hero worship and can do no wrong. And we spend our lifetime trying to get their favor, get their attention, get their shabash. Mm and we never really succeed because that 1 to 7 year old child did not get that yeah, yeah. so we will not if he if he or she did not get that the adult will not get the way they actually want parents That word does not feel does not feel safe so um i have set him free to not be repeating the same cycle, the karmic cycle, mm. and to make different choices. Mm. And that is what taking full responsibility. Yes. Full responsibility for your actions. Absolutely. And do it in a way where it doesn't hurt you anymore. Mm. And you're not ashamed of it. And I've the reason why I'm being able to talk about it today, as opposed to even two months ago, is because there's so much shame and guilt mm-hmm. in transferring or in in Acknowledging the fact that you abandoned your child,
1: yes,
0: especially as a mother, you were created, you have a womb. You were created to give life and bring life and nurture life, and I am a nurturer. But to abandon my own offspring because of whatever pain and wounds. So the self has, my bigger self, Mm -hmm. my original self has been able to speak to my hurting self, Mm -hmm. the hurting mother with compassion, with kindness, you did not know better, you Mm. did the best you could. And it's the same compassion that I can now extend to my parents. I have no... I have nothing to say to them and I have so much love for them. I have so much love and it's now not about getting anything back. I just have so much love Mm. and the more we take responsibility, the less conflict there is in our relationships, in our household also. So then tell me, why is it that so many men, and I know women might, I'll forget about the different perspective, but how, why do so many men choose to live in a place of misery? And I mean in the relationships, where you know they're dysfunctional relationships, you know that their are children being harmed, why, like, is it a man thing? What, what stops us from stepping out? And I'm saying that because I chose to stay in a dysfunctional, abusive, emotionally abusive marriage for 10 years and both my kids suffered. And it took me 10 years to be able to walk out of it. And for what I thought was, it was because of the constructs of a woman who's gotten married a second time. Now she can't get divorced a second time. and. <clears throat> I, You know, what's going to happen to my uh, my entire friend circle? Will I be able to fit in at all? You know, where will I belong? That was the conversation that I used to have as a woman. So what is the conversation a man has when he chooses to stay in a dysfunctional relationship for a long time? And knowing the effect that it's having on the children, like what is the conversation that goes on?
1: Uh, I think that for a man who's in that type of relationship, the main conversation that he has is about survival. It's mm. to survive. It's to look, you know, I mean, most majority of men that uh, are in dysfunctional relationships, the majority of them, they choose to leave them because it's too hard. It's too difficult. There, There uh, is A minority who choose to live in those dysfunctional relationships because they feel that there's a certain amount of either power or weakness that they feel of being in that relationship where they are going to if they think that they're going to come out of it they're going to say we're survivors and we've gotten through it and we're dealing with it Mm. and I think that for them that's more of an achievement as opposed to a person being in a dysfunction, a man being in a dysfunctional relationship and trying his best to uh, sort of, you know, fix or not fix, but trying to live through it, trying to raise children through it, trying to make children understand why it's dysfunctional. But I think, I I just think men are just not in tune with themselves to sort of understand when to think about themselves.
0: And how did it happen for you? Like, how did it come about for you? What was the... I love going back to... I was... uh, You know, none of these things are coincidences anyway. Like, out of all the days in the whole entire world, just yesterday a post came up on my feed about the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And I remembered reading about it uh, when I was a literature student, um, which is the entire idea of, first, we're living in, uh, you know, being asleep in everyday world, and then we're faced with a tower moment, a conflict. Um, We uh, deny it. We turn our face away. But then we know that something else other than our uh, perception exists. So now we're intrigued. Then we meet a mentor who then you see living exactly the same thing that you have a suspicion exists, but you're not really sure. But you meet that mentor doesn't have to be physical. And you believe that this is the and that so that really inspires you and you say, OK, let's try it this way. So when you go say, OK, let's try it this way, you set out on a journey, mm-hmm. you set out on a journey and then you meet a, you know, your the big arch enemy, whatever it is. Um, then you end up defeating it. There's a sense of, you know, are you going to survive? Are you going to make it? You make it. There's a rebirth. Uh, after the rebirth, you come back home and you with the Holy Grail, right? And then that's the hero's journey. And I feel like that very well summarizes the process of awakening um, for people who choose to awaken. So you're given many moments in your life. Uh, when are you going to wake up? When are you going to wake up? When are you going to wake up? And we respond to one moment, and that is the spark, the trigger for your journey. So what was that um, wake-up call? that you had that finally invited you to see the bigger part of yourself that you had not seen before but you suspected existed. I think the,
1: I mean the wake-up call for me was, I mean I can probably give many examples of extraneous events that happened that were wake-up calls. Mm. But for me the biggest wake-up call was, okay one day I woke up and I got out of bed and I looked at me in the mirror and It was actually an out-of-body experience. I looked at me in the mirror and for the first time I didn't see uh, the same face reflecting back. It was a face that looked at me and just it was just looking at me not with any sort of you know uh, discontent or looking at me with some anger. Mm. It was looking at me it was like this (laughs) it was like it, it was like a glowing me
2: Mm.
1: and the glowing me it, it just looked at me and you know I mean it, it sort of just it shook his it head mm. I, 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 and I you know that it may sound very strange but that's, that's how perfect. it was that's mm-hmm. I mean that that for me was the moment that I knew that this journey which I was on is done it's done and now there has to, there's a new journey that's coming up. Mm. And that's where I realized that if I don't protect myself and understand that what happens moving forward is going to be radically different mm. than what has happened in the past, then I will never, never be able to get on to this journey. For me, that was the defining moment. I mean, like I said, extraneous circumstances, though, so, bohat thing. Mm. But for myself personally,
2: mm.
1: it was this one moment and I, I'll always remember it, because it was literally like an out-of-body experience. Mm. I've never experienced something like that. I think it was just a, a lot of things happening at, at one, uh, one time mm. and you know, there was just that one day I was just feeling just totally exhausted. Mm. I just got up and I just saw this person.
0: For me, thank you for sharing that. Um, And for me, I think I'm a different learner, different kind of a learner, because I, and this is what I realize right now, like right now in this moment. The two moments which have acted as my wake-up call have been moments that I've actually lived over and over again, physically lived, uh, over a course of five months, six months. And those moments, and I've said no, 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 no. But those moments in their stubbornness keep reappearing in exactly the same way. And the seventh or the tenth time I've said, yes, okay, I'll do it now. But I've act, it's almost as if I've had to prepare myself to um, answer that call. And But the moments have come even before I was prepared to prepare me. So whatever you're referring to as uh, external events I believe have come as because we have different forms of preparation they've come as uh, you know a form of preparation for you you've uh, and it's not about we weren't meant to answer the call in that moment yeah. anyway. They were just yeah. preparing, 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 preparing and one day you say yes and similar exactly the same for me preparing, 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 preparing and one day I said yes and when in that moment I want to talk about this in that moment when you do finally say yes Osman in that moment There's not a single other person's opinion that matters. There's no sense of judgment you're fearing. There's no fear of the unknown. There is no future blame, nothing. In that moment, there is just a very pure knowing, a very pure knowing that it is now. Yes. And I must act now. Absolutely. But to reach that moment, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is the process. Yes. Um, and only in hindsight, I feel that we can see that process because I literally just saw that
2: process.
0: Mm-hmm. Because I think that they not themselves about how
2: they
0: are going prepare prepare And then one day, you know. I love that. I know that you yes, uh, wrote I, something yes. so, about the self. Would you like to first of all speak of this, like the background, if you want but to? Well, I think
1: I've, I've covered the background. I mean, I've, I mean, I've told you about conversations with myself. Yeah and you know conversations with myself have been very uh, very new, uh, very scary
2: mm.
1: uh, but liberating and uh, in fact my children have caught me a couple of times talking to myself and <laughs> they're wondering what's going on but uh, they've actually uh, seen me do it and um, you know I'd, That's like, I'd like to think that you know maybe that it inspires them to, mm. to understand that there's nothing wrong with loving yourself. There's mm. nothing wrong with, 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 with looking at yourself in the mirror, and saying, you know, you're beautiful. Mm. You know, I love you, mm. and uh, you know, you're gonna be fine. Mm. And just focus on the new you, mm. because the new you is gonna be. The journey is gonna be awesome.
0: It is. It is already awesome. So yeah, so Mm. I'd like to read it because you know I I
1: I also shared it with my children and they thought it was pretty good. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Well, that's what they obviously it's a subjective opinion. (laughs) So yeah, so this is um from me to me.
2: Mm. Who's in that
1: who is in that mirror looking back? Right at me, like he's pointing at me, blinklessly. It's been a while since somebody saw me as a whole. It's somebody, just not the old me. I swam against the current. Let the wind take us where we should not have been, rendering my patented inner strength, my superpower, limp. Yet here I am, older, a tad wiser, hearing a new voice. And looking right dead in the eye at the anti me. This is me on a brand new journey. What happened? How? Why? This isn't us, he asks me. I howl. There was joy, pain, sacrifice, hurt, guilt and anger. I can let it all out now. I tried to take care of me throughout this now unrecognizable bohemian rhapsody. But it was all a bit too much for that me. He never gave a chance to himself to choose to be happy. Learn, unlearn, learn, unlearn. Cleanse, rinse, dump, declutter, redo. There's no end in sight of what has to be done. The me in the mirror tells me that panic and chaos will get me nowhere. I'll do better and I have to do better. We need to look after ourselves. It's okay to be. It's okay not to be okay. That's life.
2: Yeah.
1: Just breathe. Just smile. Just let it out. Just live. We made it. You and me together. The old you didn't love you enough. He's gone. Your rebirth is a journey. Embrace it. Love it. Own it. Just do it. We've got this. Just learn to love you more. This time it shall set you free. I didn't know that the new me had it in him. But all it took was a look in the mirror. I'm not alone anymore.
0: No, you're not. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this and um Here's to falling more in love with ourselves.